Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read a few verses here towards the end of the chapter. Um, if you are there in your Bible, go ahead and stand with me. If you would, we'll read together Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. The Christian life provides so much. You know, so many times we, we live the Christian life minus the, minus the blessings and minus the riches. And so tonight I just want to challenge you as a Christian in a spiritual sense to live like we're rich. The Bible instructs us here to do it, and it's ours to accept the challenge. So let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that we, He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Let's look for in prayer this evening. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, tonight I pray as we look at this passage of Scripture, we'd apply this truth to our hearts, to our lives. Lord, I pray that we, in a spiritual sense, would live like we're rich. Of course, Lord, You've blessed us with so many things. Lord, I pray that tonight, because of Your Word and the challenge here from the Apostle Paul, um, that we would leave um, just trusting You and, and growing in our walk with You. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may have a seat. You know, all of us in some ways can grow in strength. You know, if I asked you for a list of your goals, if I asked everyone here, hey, just write out a quick list of your personal goals, for a lot of you, somewhere on that list would be an area in your life where you wanted to grow in strength. When we say strength, of course, we think of exercise in terms of exercise. And maybe it's lifting weights. Maybe it's growing um, some muscle. Maybe it's um, running and doing something aerobic. Uh, maybe it's a form of exercise. And we commonly, we think of strength, we think of exercise. Um, but maybe it's rest. You know, we won't have strength if we can't rest. And so maybe in your goals, you know, you want to um, have a better um, time to go to bed at night, a, a better time to get up in the morning, just a better pattern for your rest. And you want to take care of your health. You want to develop a healthy sleep pattern. You know, maybe it's something like strength of character. You know, just resolve, strength to not be angry or be bitter. Maybe you have a goal to grow in that way. You need strength. Uh, maybe moral strength to overcome lust or temptation or self-restraint to save money and live on a budget. All of us could grow in strength in some way, whether it's physical or moral or financial. We strive. Most of us go through life striving and doing our best, giving our best efforts to grow in our strength. You know, God loves each of us in ways that we can't comprehend. And this passage of Scripture tells us He wants us to grow in spiritual strength. You think of um, the world's wealth. Looking around, uh, from what I know, there's, we don't have any billionaires in the crowd. Uh, but there's an article written that studied the world's billionaires. At the time the article was written, there were 2,325 billionaires. 
It hasn't changed that much. Um, possessing at that time $7 trillion, that's a small percentage of our national debt, of course, and that's about 4% of the world's wealth. Of those billionaires, 100 lived in New York City, 85 in Moscow, and I was just curious and looked it up, and of those um, billionaires in Moscow, they've frozen $30 billion of their assets because of the war in Ukraine. So um, maybe you and I will have access to some of that someday. These billionaires average $3.1 billion in wealth. Most have four homes that are worth, on average, $94 million altogether for those four homes. Elon Musk, of course, is the richest man in the group, worth $219 billion. But for our purposes tonight, as saved Christians, all of us have a larger portfolio than Elon Musk. Any of us is wealthier spiritually than all the billionaires of the world put together. Paul is challenging us to live like it. This is the theme of the book of Ephesians. It has six chapters. They're divided up into two parts. Chapters 1 to 3 describe how rich we are in Christ. And then chapters 4 through 6 tell us how we're to live because of those riches. Look for a minute just at a few of these verses with me, if you would. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 as Paul highlights this wealth that resides in us, that's available to us, that God has disposed for us. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In verse 13, he goes on, it says, In whom ye also trusted... Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Just think about this for a minute. Jesus Christ, the gift, the unsearchable gift, is the earnest of our inheritance. His Son was worth our redemption. Christ paid an unbelievable cost, an unbelievable price for us to be saved, to have fellowship with Him. He loves us so much. Verse 18 in chapter 1 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His heritage is in the saints. He wants us to know what this amazing wealth that He's bestowed on us, what it is, and, and how important it is to us as Christians. In chapter 2 he goes on, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. That's mercy that's new every morning. It's mercy that's new every single day to every single one of us alike. Verse 7, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In chapter 3 and verse 8 He says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about, this amazing wealth. This passage of Scripture shows us what a spiritually developed psyche looks like, physique, what we should be as Christians, what we should possess, how we should look, how we should act, how we should live. It tells us what maturity looks like, what our physique spiritually should be. Pastor preached this morning about the contrast 
of a Christian. In many ways, this is synonymous with the message that he preached this morning. This passage is one that we need to read. It's a message to study. It, it's, a, it's a passage to meditate on. It's not one to just pass over lightly. No, it's something for us to memorize. It's something for us to consider. It's something for us to meditate on. It's for, it'll take all of our lives to understand the depth of the meaning of this passage of Scripture for us as Christians. In, way, in some ways, it's like the ascending views that we would have when we hike a mountain or something like that. You know, we could talk about the Swiss Alps. All I've ever heard or seen is how beautiful they are. I've never been there. And I think the majority of us, French Alps, Swiss Alps, um, I don't think we've, majority of us haven't been there. But most of us, or a lot of us, have seen the Rocky Mountains. We're familiar with them. Many of you would have skied or, or um, vacationed in Colorado at some point in time or another. The Rocky Mountains start down in Mexico and make their way all the way up to Alaska. But as you explore the Rocky Mountains, if you go to Colorado, yeah, they're beautiful. They're amazing. The views are wonderful. It's unlike, very unlike Oklahoma. <laughs> if you go further north and you go into Wyoming and Montana, you, you see the Yellowstone National Park and you see these amazing, again, beautiful um, scenes. If you go to Yellowstone, some of the most picturesque places you can go would be like Upper Falls and Lower Falls, one of the more photographed areas in the U.S. And at sunrise or sunset, as the sun hits these multicolored rocks and faceted rocks, they change and it's just gorgeous. It's amazing to be able to see God's creation, the beauty um, that He's blessed us with in nature. If you go on further north to Glacier, Man, it just becomes that much more rugged. As you go further north, the Rockies become more rugged. Even into, uh, into Canada, they become more rugged. It's just amazing, the views and the things you can see. But if you really want to enjoy a mountain, you have to get out and hike. You've got to put on some hiking shoes and find a trail and, and commit some time and wear yourself out because there's a reward there. There's a benefit for you. You know, if you get out in your car and you just take a trail, most, most times you hike, a trail starts out kind of flat. A lot of times it'll just, a trail will start going kind of crisscrossing um, a slope and um, doing switchbacks. And so you'll walk and when you're in the trees, a lot of times you can't see anything. Uh, every so often you hit a clearing, you hit the clearing and maybe you've gone up in elevation so the view changes. And if you've taken a hike and you've done any climbing, um, you know that every time the view changes, it's, it's just something you want to stop and look and enjoy the distance and the things you can see. It's fun to hike. It's fun to explore. And with every change in elevations, uh, different scenery. And as you get clear the tree line, man, now you've done some work most times. Unless you have a ATV or a UTV and you can do it um, just sitting in a Jeep. Maybe you can clear a tree line in some places in Colorado in a Jeep and enjoy the views that way. But you keep going up and the further you go up, once you've cleared the tree line, man, it, it's amazing how the views change and are constantly changing. And it just makes it worth it to continue to hike and continue to hike and continue to ascend and continue to ascend. And finally, eventually, at some point, you're going to crest the peak. And that's, that's the greatest reward is just be able to see 360 degrees and see around all the different peaks that are around you and enjoy it and take it in. And for me personally, I get to the top of one peak and I want to go, where's the next one? When can I do this again? It's, it's just amazing to be able to take in God's creation and be able to enjoy it. All the beauty, all the views that you can see. This passage of Scripture is laid out much this way. God has amazing strength. 
and his strength is there's so many different perspectives. There's so many times in life where we'll need his strength. He doesn't want us to get by with, with just enough strength to survive where every little trial, every little difficulty just devastates us. That's not the Christian life that, that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a Christian life that's abundant, where, where trials come and they will, where, where we experience loss and we experience failure, and we know where our true strength lies, not in ourselves, not in our limited strength, but in His unlimited strength. And we'll need these perspectives. We'll need these different views. We'll, we'll need to have grown and developed this strength so when the time comes, we're ready. We're prepared. It, it doesn't um, take us by surprise. It, it doesn't um, destroy our lives and ruin um, what God has for us. Strength is necessary. All of us as Christians need to grow in our strength. And so in this passage of Scripture, we see, first of all, that Christ wants to strengthen us through His Spirit, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened by His, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. His Holy Spirit, the, the Greek word there is the same word that we use for dynamite, dunamos. He wants us to have this power that is so able to help us overcome the obstacles that face us. We're all going to face obstacles. My sister is in the process of, of rebuilding her house, and one of the things we needed to do was move the septic tank. And so in other move, order to move the septic tank, we had a septic guy come out, and of course we're in East Tulsa, and he explained to us that the, um, the limestone shelf over in that neighborhood is pretty shallow. And so the cost of moving the septic tank was going to be predicated on whether or not there was limestone there. And he was explaining the process, so what do you need to do, how much is it going to cost? And he said, well actually we blast it. We drill and we blast. I'm thinking dynamite. You know, dynamite overcomes that obstacle, the limestone that would prevent this septic tank from being set down in the ground at the proper elevation. Christ has given us the Holy Spirit that helps us, gives us the strength that we need to overcome the difficulties we are going to face. He wants us to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. This is the Holy Spirit that, resi that um, resides in us. It helps us to resist temptation. It helps us to resist um, trials and difficulties and gives us the strength that we need. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us to the place of salvation. God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're His children. His Spirit convicts us of sin. His Spirit convicts us of the truth of God's Word. His Holy Spirit gives us the power to witness. His Holy Spirit gives us this joy inside of us. Regardless of the circumstances that surround us, if His Holy Spirit is inside of us, residing in us, we can overcome the circumstances around us. His Holy Spirit allows us to persevere in weakness. God wants us to understand we have this amazing Holy Spirit that resides inside of us. We're to be strengthened through His Spirit in our inner man. We will need that strength. The day will come. We have to call on that strength. We're dependent on that strength. He strengthens us through His glorious riches. In verse 16 again, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. What glorious riches has He given to us? Well, He's given us a relationship with Him. What amazing wealth. You know, our relationships that we share with each other are important. 
They're critical. They're vital. We should cultivate them. We should develop them. We should strive to have good relationships with each other. But no relationship provides the resource that Christ and the relationship with Him through His Holy Spirit provides us. The opportunities there. We could never earn this relationship. We could never deserve this relationship. We're given this relationship at salvation. We have this amazing, rich relationship. We have His Holy Spirit living inside us that's perfectly willing to guide us through life, through difficulties, through decisions, through trials, if we'd rely on Him. His, His Holy Spirit is there. He's willing to guide us. He wants to give us peace. He wants us to understand His love. He's promised us an eternal home. What amazing riches. What more could we ask for? Is, as human beings in a sin-cursed world, we see all kinds of things around us that disappoint us, that frustrate us, that we have to deal with every single day. We have this Holy Spirit that gives us these glorious riches. He strengthens us in our inner being. The Bible says that the inner man, the inner strength, the inner person is in the sight of God of great price. You know, when we look around, we see each other, and we often judge each other. The Bible teaches that God looks on the heart. He wants our heart to be in tune with Him. What was David? What was so precious about David? He was a man who had a heart that was right, a man after God's own heart. God wants you and me to be strengthened in our inner being. He wants us to rely on Him in our day-to-day -day lives. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to grow as, as men and as ladies as in our inner man. He's, he's given us that grace. He's given us that opportunity. We're to grow. We're not to just live on the surface. We're not to just dress up on Sunday and come to church and hear a message and be challenged and do our best on our own. We're to, know, we're to grow in here, on the inside. God wants us to comprehend His love. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and He may be rooted and grounded in love. He goes on, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of God. His love is something we can't fully comprehend. But he illustrates it here in this passage. In the Old Testament, you had the tabernacle. And the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, it was designed and ordered by God to be a cube, a perfectly square place. It was a picture of God's love. In the temple in Jerusalem, same design, the Holy of Holies, perfectly square on each side, the same dimension. The New Jerusalem, the, the city that will one day inhabit, that will um, just something we can't even begin to imagine, so beautiful. The dimensions are perfectly square, descriptive of God's love, because God's love is something we, we ought to know, we ought to understand, we ought to comprehend and understand what is the width. Well, God's love is wide enough for everyone. Everyone on earth, everyone He's created ever, God's love is wide enough to include everyone. No one is excluded. God's love is long enough for us to never be without His love. 
regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, no one is without His love. His love is high enough, higher than the highest star. It's beyond anything we can comprehend. It, it, it encompasses all of His creation, the entire universe. His love is high. It's deeper. It's deeper than all of our problems, the things that we struggle with, the day-to-day events, the circumstances of our life. His love exceeds all of our issues. God wants us to comprehend His love, to understand. What caused God to leave heaven? It was love. What caused Him to seek fellowship with you and me? It was His love. He wants to have and enjoy a meaningful relationship with us. He strengthens us to be filled with all fullness. He goes on, And know the love of God which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does he mean by that? We know what it is to be hungry, We know what it is to be thirsty. Nothing stands between us. Um, We had been out hunting yesterday, Ian and I, in the morning, and we were headed back, and um, there's always things to do. A little project here, go put corn out there, go do something there. And so we're doing these things, and he asks on the way back, when are we going to eat? I said, we're going to do these few things, and then we're going to eat real quick as soon as we get back into town. And so um, we get done those things. He said, Dad, it's going to be 1.30. I'm like, no, Ian, it's going to be 12.45. We're going to get this done at 12.45. We leave. He's like, Dad, it's 1.28. I'm like, well, it's not 1.30, Ian. <laughs> He's like, um, where are we eating? I'm like, well, we're not eating Pahuska. That's only 20 miles away. We're going to Hominy. It's 36 miles away. We've got to go all the way to Hominy. He's like, how long is that going to take? We ate in Hominy. But we don't let things stand in the way of us and food and us in drink. When we're thirsty, man, we're going to get there. It might take an extra hour or two, but we're going to get there. Why? Because we know what satisfaction's like. We know what fullness is like. God wants us to know what it's like to be satisfied with Him. Why? Because we reflect who He is. We bring glory to Him. When we understand the satisfaction that He can bring, then we want to have a closer relationship with Him. When we, are, when we understand the fullness that He provides, then we want to study His Word more. We want to meditate more on His Word. We want to share His love with others. We want to be a greater witness ourselves. We want to understand His love, His relationship, the relationship He offers in a greater way. All of us are offered this satisfaction We have to choose to find our satisfaction in Him. He doesn't want us to waste this wealth. He doesn't want us to misuse this wealth or use it selfishly. He wants us to invest it, to multiply it, to pass it out, to enjoy it. When I think about the presence of Christ's strength, I think about an experience I had as a teenager. You know, as a teenage boy, I always wanted to explore, most teenage boys do, and um, had a friend, Randy Luce, and together we did all kinds of things and generally, usually stayed out of trouble. This day, um, for some reason, I don't know why, we were at Chandler Park. And because we were there and because we were teenage boys, we did some exploring, did some hiking. And Chandler Park on the west side of town is really on the edge, a little ways away from the Arkansas River. There's some outcroppings there, there's some rocks, you can maybe even call them cliffs if you find the right place. 
So we're hiking around and exploring and just generally enjoying ourselves as teenage guys. And we, we see this little bluff here. And for some reason, not sure why, but got the bright idea to climb it, to scale this little somewhat of a cliff. And it looked easy enough. And it was pretty easy. And we climbed up there. Randy was behind me. I was in front. Obviously, that was the problem. And so got to the top. And, and of course, as a teenager, you don't really think the whole process through. I, I was pretty smart enough to think how to get to where I was at. But at a certain point, I got to the top. That's also called the precipice. So here I am. I'm standing on a rock. And it was a thin little ledge. And Randy's just a little bit behind me. And I don't know if you've ever climbed anything and looked down. That's, I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> and let me tell you this. It's a lot easier to climb up something than it is to get back down. You can see and you can strategize. But to get down, it's, it's pretty scary. And I'm at the top of this precipice. And I can't figure out how we're going to get up on top and finish this little climb. And I have this moment where everything slows down. They tell you about this, and it does really slow down. And you think, this could be it? I don't know why this looks like such a good idea a few minutes ago, but it's not a good idea anymore. Right up at the top of this precipice, there was a little bitty tree. And I'm going to guess this tree was an inch around. And of course, once I got to the top and realized kind of what was going on, I'm just kind of resting up here. I saw this tree, so I kind of grabbed onto the tree and I was holding this tree. And I'm thinking, I really don't have a lot of choices here. And my friend's right behind me and whatever happens to me is gonna happen to him. I don't want anything bad to happen to any of us. I didn't have a lot of choices. So I went ahead and kind of leaned as far forward as I could, got on my tippy toes and started to pull and pull myself up. And sure enough, the tree had strong enough roots and I was able to get over the top and quickly help my friend up and exhale. And I'm here today. <laughs> but you know, I had to get to the place where I trusted that tree to get to where I needed to go. I didn't see any other way. I didn't really have any choices. But once I got to the point where I realized I needed to trust the tree, and I did, I realized that the tree had the strength I needed to get to the top. The Christian life is that way. The Apostle Paul is challenging us this same way. We've got amazing wealth. It's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to live selfishly. It takes great wisdom to live the way Christ challenges us to, to live dependent on Him, to live in a way that is understanding of this amazing wealth that's available to us. When we do, we begin to express who God is. We begin to grow in our relationship with Him. We receive the benefits of this fullness that His Holy Spirit can provide. And that's what God wants for you and for me. He doesn't want us to live empty and shallow lives, dependent on ourselves, never experiencing the great wealth, the great resources, the wonderful nature of His strength that He's given to us. He wants us to experience His strength. 
in ever-increasing ways. As we go through life, it's so easy to be dependent on ourselves. But Christ has said, I have the strength to help you get to where you need to go. I have the resources. They're equal to you and every one of us here. God wants to give us the strength. We have to make the choice. Every single day, every single circumstance, where is our trust going to rest? Is it going to rest in ourselves? In that moment, I knew I couldn't get back down. I didn't have a choice. But I still had to make a decision to trust. In every one of us, every single moment, every single circumstance, Christ wants to give us the wisdom to make the best choices. We can't do it without putting our trust in Him. So we conclude tonight, just look at your own heart, your own life. Are you experiencing the fullness of His love? The riches, are you enjoying the riches that He has prepared for us? That He wants us to experience and enjoy? If you aren't, you can. Paul tells us, take these thoughts here, read these passages, meditate on these verses, Go to the Lord, express your dependence. Praise Him for His strength. Depend on Him in your decisions and your choices. Go to Him for wisdom. He wants to bless you. Let's all stand together tonight.